Welcome to Tardi Mechanach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Adina Schmidman. Today we will be learning Yehoshua Perak Beis. This Perak is the Haftorah for Parsha Shlach, the Parsha which records the tragic episode of the Meraglim, the ill-fated journey of the spies. In Perak Aleph, we were afforded the privilege of seeing what healthy, seamless transition looks like. Yehoshua ushered into his new role by Hashem and the people. Words of reassurance, chazak ve'amatz, be strong and courageous, are repeated again and again and again and again to bolster the conquest of the land, the primacy of Torah, and the confidence of the people. The journey into the land of Israel is initiated as the people are told to prepare for three days, and the tribes of Reuven, Gud, and half of Anasha are given the specific directive to be present on the battlefield, as no one is exempt from conquering and dividing the land. The nation is waiting with feelings of excitement and at the same time angst as their national memory is scarred with the collective trauma of 40 years in the desert. It is with this backdrop that we begin the next Perak. The Perak actually takes us back in time, one day prior to Perak Aleph, when Yehoshua is contemplating his first step forward as the Shloshim of Moshe is drawing to a close. Pasuk Aleph. Verse 1. Yoshua bin Nun dispatched two men, spies, from Shittim, and secretly ordered them, Go observe the land in Yericho. So they traveled, and they came to the house of Inishazona, and her name was Rachav, and they slept there. How do you take the first step forward of a journey that began 40 years prior? A journey where all of your contemporaries are no longer due to a national trauma of which you were privy to the details of the experience. A journey where you as the new leader now are tasked with filling the shoes of the greatest leader of all time, Moshe Rabbeinu, who led the nation across the Yamsuf and went up to Shamayim to heaven to receive the Torah. What is your first step as the new leader? And Yoshua sends out spies. We'll need to understand how and why Yoshua felt it necessary for the nation's security and morale to embark on a spy mission and how he took the lessons from 38 years earlier to assure the success of these spies. The key word in the Pasuk is cheresh, a word that can be explained in several ways. Cheresh can mean deaf or silent. Yoshua sends a spies Cheresh with no sound in the deafness of the night to quietly enter the city of Yericho. Or possibly the spies feign deafness, according to the Alshech, so that people would reveal information in their presence. Cheresh can also be related to the word Cheres, earthenware vessels. According to Rashi, they were disguised as earthenware sellers. They were sent stealthily for two reasons. The secrecy was to prevent the people of Yericho from discovering them, although, due to the vigilance of the people of Yericho, the spies were detected almost immediately. According to the Radak, the spies were sent secretly so that the Jewish people wouldn't find out. A spy mission could certainly discredit Yoshua's nascent leadership, as the people knew what happened so many years before. And who were these two spies? According to Bamidbar Rabbah, these two men were Kalev and Pinchas. 
Their names are hidden to protect their dignity as they were housed with a woman of ill repute. Chazal revealed their identities as Rachab later converted and was known as a righteous woman. When they return, jumping forward to Pasuk Chaf Bey's 22, they report back only to Yoshua. The spies have no interaction with the people, lest it cause panic and dissension. They interact with Yoshua alone when they leave and when they return. They report to him so that if there are concerns or anticipated challenges, the people are left unawares. So what did they discover? The spy mission was to gather intelligence about the upcoming invasion, as Yahushua had not yet been instructed as to the miraculous victory. Let's take a moment to look at the timeline. Moshe Rabbeinu died on the seventh day of Adar. According to Tamar Kedushin Lamed Ches Amad Beis, the spies were sent on the sixth of Nisan. The people were told on the seventh of Nisan, upon the completion of the 30 days of mourning for Moshe, to prepare for their travels in three days' time. That's what we read yesterday in Parak Aleph. The nation crossed the Yardin on the 10th of Nisan, 2488, almost 40 years to the day of leaving Egypt. So looking at the timeline, the spies were actually sent a day before Yoshua received the Nevuah, the prophecy, to prepare to travel. In planning the upcoming assault, sending the spies was necessary and strategic, and their directive was ru'u, to observe, to see what the atmosphere was like to ultimately come back to raise the morale of the people. Now, this is in direct contrast to Moshe's spies, who set out Latour to observe with the intention to judge. The Mammon explains the difference between Latour and Liragel. The original spies were sent Latour to look for the good in the land, the positive qualities. And that's why Moshe needed to send a representative from each Shevet as each Shevet had a different interest as to what was good for their Shevet. You see, if you're a farmer, you have different needs than if you're a merchant. What's good for one Shevet is not necessarily good for another. Each Shevet needed an advocate. And the question was, are we brought into this mission to move forward to the land? And sadly, tragically, their answer was no. The miss- mission of these spies was Liragel. They were Miraglim. We are moving forward into the land, but as Miraglim, we need to find out the vulnerabilities so that we know where to start our military conquest. And therefore, it wasn't necessary to have a representative from Yeshevet, but rather one or two men to expose the weak spots to assure the success of the military mission. Staying at the home of Rachab Hazona was strategic. If she was, as the Pasuk can be understood, a woman of ill repute, where else could they stay where anonymity is key and gossip abounds? According to the Gemara Zvachim, there was not one prince or ruler who had not yet visited Rachab. Her house was in the wall of the city as she offered her services to those within and those outside the city. Getting the pulse of the people would quickly be assessed in a house where there would be a lot of traffic. The fact that Rachab's house was built into the city walls was another miracle, as it afforded the spies a quick means of escape, and the fact that they found themselves in the house of someone who identified with the Jewish people and their God was nothing short of divine intervention. When the king of Yericho received word that there were spies from the Jewish people who came clandestinely in the middle of the night, Lachpar, to dig up information, he immediately sent word to Rachab to give up the men who came to her house. Pasuk Dalid, verse 4. Vatikacha Isha es shnei hanashim vatitzpino. 
Batomer, Cain, Ba'u Elaiha Nashim, Velo Yadati, Me'ayin Hema. The woman had taken the two men and hid them. She said, It is true. The men did come to me, but I did not know from where they came. After hiding the spies, rather than denying that the spies had come to her house, she acknowledges that she housed them, but that they had already moved on and are no longer there. She suggests chasing them and sends the troops after them, and as such, steers the king and the people of Yericho in the wrong direction. Under great risk and pressure, Rachav is brave, quick, and clever. Who is Rachav? Why does she risk her life to assist the two spies and betray her city? And what can we learn from her for our lives? Rachav explains to the two men and to us that she recognizes Hashem from 40 years earlier and Hashem from several months before. Pasuk Yud, verse 10. For we have heard how Hashem dried up the water of the Sea of Reeds for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two Amori kings across the Yardin, to Sichon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Rachav highlights how Hashem dried up the Yamsuf. The Medrash explains that she chose this specific miracle as it relates not only to Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the exodus from Egypt, but to the purpose of the world. Hashem dried up the land for Adam to create a space for humanity. When Adam sinned and the world's purpose was not fulfilled, the mission for humanity was passed to Avraham and his children, the Jewish people. Once again, once again, Hashem created dry land as the children of Avraham were emerging into nationhood. Rachav recognized the unique role the Jewish nation served in the trajectory of the world and acknowledged this specific miracle. Pasuk Yud Aleph, verse 11. Vanishma vayimas livavenu, v'lokama od ruach b'ish mipnechem, ki Hashem elokechem hu elokim v'shamayim imal v'al ha'aretz mitachat. When we heard, our hearts melted. No spirit is left in anyone because of you. For Hashem, your God, He is God in heavens above and on the earth below. By expressing the terror that she and the people are experiencing, she's actually providing the knowledge that the spies are looking for to bring back to Yahushua. The people's hearts are melting because they know the reach and scope of Hashem's wrath and His punishment. But what does she ask for in return? Pasuk Yubez, verse 12. Now I beseech you, swear to me by Hashem, since I have done you kindness, that you too will do kindness with my father's house and give me a true sign. She asks that she and her father's house will be saved. Rachav is very wise in her requests. She highlights that there are two types of human interaction, kindness, chesed, and justice, or truth, MS. Acts of kindness should never be a calculation. You act kindly toward another, acknowledging the value of each person's humanity. And then there is truth or justice. There's a calculation, and one is owed for his actions, a quid pro quo, a favor or an advantage granted or expected in return for something. So Rachel asks for MS to save herself. She saved the spies, they should save her. And she asks for chesed for her family. 
It's an act of kindness to go beyond expectations to save them. As she is not married and does not have a family, it's her father's house with her siblings that she asks to rescue. She lowers the two men to safety with a crimson cord and gives them direction where to run and where to hide. The two men, as they depart, guarantee that if she doesn't reveal their visit and the crimson cord is in the window, they will rescue her and her family. How does Rachav change her life's course? How does she step forward toward a life of purity? She takes the crimson cord, the tikvas hashani, that she used to lower the two spies in their escape through her window, and she finds hope, tikva. Cord, tikvas, is also the same word as hope, tikva, and she ties it to the window upon their departure. It is her act of rescue that affords her the hope of a new and changed life. Rashi states that Rachav used the same elements that she used to raise and lower her customers for sin, the rope and the window, as tools for repentance. It's something that we can learn from. Things that are challenging or difficult can also be tools in building our spiritual road back. And transformation can be dramatic. You see, in this one night, Rachav transforms her life from a life of sin to one connected to Hashem and his nation. For 40 years she knew, but there was no change. And this night brought a new reality, a transformation that eventually brought her not only to the Jewish nation, but as the Gemara Megillah, Daf Yedalad Amadeh says, that she married Yehoshua bin Nun, the leader of the Jewish people. What a remarkable spiritual transformation. And now let's turn back to the spies who run and hide for three days until those who were pursuing them gave up. They return to Yehoshua, and as mentioned earlier, they speak only to Yehoshua. And Pasuk Chafdalad 24 say, Hinasan Hashem biyadenu es kol haaretz, begam namogu kol yoshvei haaretz mipanenu. For Hashem gave the land into our hand, and also all the inhabitants of the land have melted because of us. Yoshua and Rachav, their paths eventually converge, but in our parak, we're privy to the first step forward for each. Yoshua revisits a trauma that is both personal and national, but does not allow the scars to handicap him in his emerging role as leader. We see that we can revisit a missed opportunity or a situation gone wrong and with thought and intention change the outcome dramatically. Yoshua demonstrated that with both care and thought and trust, you can undo mistakes and things can turn out differently the second time around. The spies come back with a positive report. Hashem will give us the land and all the inhabitants have melted because of us. Rachav's journey is also about undoing mistakes, about seizing the moment to make a dramatic life change from managing a house of ill repute to eventually marrying Yoshua. She knew the truth all along and bravely against the populace and king put her trust in the two men from Israel. She grabbed the cord of hope to assure not only the physical rescue, but the spiritual rescue of her and her family. The Medrash, Tana Debeli Yehuzuta, relates that her name was Rachav, wide, because she gained extensive merit in that her descendants included many Nevi'im, including Neria, Baruch, Yirmiyahu, Chilkiah, Yechezkel, and his father, Buzi. 
The message to each of us is that we have the remarkable capacity to change direction in our lives, to be the best version of ourselves. Mistakes or mishaps don't need to stand in the way of moving forward. There is always hope and there is always opportunity. Thank you for learning together. Le'ilui Nishmot, Imotenu Hayekarod, Esther Oppenheimer, Allah Shalom, and Sarah Shanker, Allah Shalom, each deeply devoted and proud to transmit their family's Torah legacy to the next generations.